Welcome back to another installment of the Royal Intrigue Podcast. Before we begin, I would like to thank everyone who listened to my first episode. This podcast is something I really enjoy doing, and I hope that it keeps improving with every new subject I cover. It has become more widely available on other platforms since my first episode, so now anyone is able to leave a review and aid in that improvement. I want to also preface that new episodes may not come out as regularly as I would like due to the demands of work and school, but I'll do my best to have an episode out each month. So thanks again for all of you who've tuned in for episode 2, and to those of you listening for the first time. With that out of the way, let's return to the palace for more intrigue. Episode 2 Marie-Louise Elizabeth of Orléans, the chubby Duchess of Berry. Marie-Louise Elizabeth of Orléans was born in France in the Grand Palace of Versailles on August the 20th, 1695. She was born to Francois-Marie of Bourbon and Philippe II, Duke of Orléans. Her parents were first cousins as her mother was the legitimized daughter of the Sun King, Louis XIV, and his longtime chief mistress, Madame de Montespan while her father was the son of the king's brother, Philippe I, Duke of Orléans, and his second wife, Elizabeth Charlotte. Despite these close familial bonds, one could say that Marie-Louise was born into a less-than-happy or stable situation. Princess Elizabeth Charlotte never approved of her son being wed to one of the king's illegitimate children. In fact, when she found out that her son had accepted the engagement, she slapped him in front of the whole court and turned her back on the king. Although this could simply be one of those rumors that the French court is famous for, as she denies doing this in her personal letters. Her dislike for her daughter-in-law, however, was very much real, and this dislike as well as her disappointment would extend to her grandchildren. Marie-Louise's parents were never in love, and they never really grew even to like one another. Her mother's remark about the engagement probably best sums it up. I care not that he love me, but that he marries me. Despite the couple living very separate lives, they had eight children in total, with seven surviving to adulthood, with Marie-Louise being the eldest daughter. It is said that her mother, the Duchess of Orléans, was lazy, prideful, and selfish as she would rather recline all day and chat with her ladies-in-waiting instead of being an involved parent to her children. Her father was a known womanizer and lived a rather debauched lifestyle, as it was rumored he was participating in orgies, even on holy days. The Duke's mother, however, was blind to this behavior and blamed the stormy marriage on her daughter-in-law's bad temper. In her letter, she comments, "'My son visits his wife every day.' If she is in a good temper, he stays and chats with her for a long time. But if, as often happens, she is in a bad mood, he goes away without opening his mouth. The one thing this mismatched couple did seem to have in common was the love they had for their children, even though they were not as involved in their upbringing as they should have been. In 1701, Marie-Louise came down with a mysterious illness at the age of six and was thought to be dead for six hours. Philippe II took it upon himself to care for her and used his knowledge of chemistry to in fact cure her. It was because of his success in saving his daughter's life that she became his favorite from that time forward. 
In the autumn of 1706, at the age of 10, she contracted smallpox and was nursed by her mother personally. These two close calls led her father to shower her with many honors and gifts. One such honor was being invited with her father to eat at the table of the king for one evening. The Duchess of Orleans was reported to have been jealous of her daughter's invitation and had to be calmed by the king himself. And by the age of 15, Marie-Louise was said to have been a headstrong and self-important young woman. The latter trait in particular was encouraged by her mother, who viewed her daughter as being of higher rank than simply a princess of the blood, and sought to have a new position created for all of her children as the grandchildren of France. She used Marie-Louise to push this agenda by having her daughter decline to sign a marriage contract after other princes of the blood. This break in court etiquette fed the flames of a long-standing rivalry between her mother and her mother's elder sister, the Duchess of Bourbon. The two duchesses exchanged unkind words for several months, and this was an issue that divided many members of the court. Now this whole princes and princesses of the blood situation put King Louis XIV in a bit of a predicament, as both of the duchesses involved were his daughters. So he naturally took his time as any good father would in coming to a decision. And he ended up siding with the Duchess of Bourbon, partially to keep the peace between the majority of his children, and also partly because the Duchess of Bourbon's husband had died that year. The Duchess of Orléans was mortified by the king's decision and left Versailles in a huff, taking Marie-Louise to St. Cloud with her when she left. She forbade her daughter from attending church services with the king, as she would have to follow court etiquette and be ordered by rank in such events. Even while all of this was going on, the Duchess of Orléans was beginning to push for her daughter to wed Charles, the Duke of Berry. Charles was King Louis XIV's grandson, which would make him Marie-Louise's half-cousin, as his grandmother was the king's actual wife, Queen Maria Theresa. This marriage would allow her daughter to obtain the rank she had earlier been denied. But as we have already heard, the Duchess of Orléans was a prideful woman, and she refused to allow Marie to return to court. Marie-Louise, however, found an ally in her future sister-in-law, the Duchess of Burgundy, who hated the Duchess of Bourbon as much as her mother did. She wrote a letter to Marie-Louise herself and laid out how her mother's actions may negatively affect her in the future. Now, Marie-Louise had a little affection for her mother and knew her father would support her if she returned to court for church services. She wasn't going to let her mother's pride get in the way of her future. So the very next day she returned and fell in line with the other princesses of the blood. While her father was pleased, it was reported that this came as a complete shock to her mother, who became so upset that she cried for the entire day. But Marie-Louise had made a wise choice and was able to salvage her chance at a marriage with Charles. King Louis XIV was anxious to marry off the young duke due to a worry that he would become attached to someone below his rank. It was 1710 and France was at war with the chief Catholic states of Europe, with the exception of Spain and Bavaria. He couldn't arrange for a beneficial foreign marriage for his grandson at the time, thus it came down to two French-born princesses, Marie-Louise, and who else but the Duchess of Bourbon's daughter, Louise Elizabeth. It's the Orléans versus the Bourbons, round two. 
But Marie Louise was at a slight disadvantage. For one thing, she was a bit younger than her rival, and her father was on bad terms with the king and the Dauphin at the time. Apparently, he had conducted himself poorly on a campaign in Spain two years earlier, and his debaucherous lifestyle was also called into question. Fortunately for Marie-Louise, the Duchess of Burgundy came to her aid once again, with the Duke of Saint-Simon, who also had a grudge against the Bourbons. Both of them were very close to the king, and were able to convince him that Marie-Louise would be the best choice for his grandson. The Duchess of Bourbon attempted to tarnish Marie-Louise's reputation by spreading a rumor that the girl and her father had an indecent relationship. Although this rumor did not succeed in changing the king's mind, it did stick in the court's consciousness and would follow Marie-Louise for the rest of her life. The king authorized the engagement and sent word to Rome to get an approval for a union of the blood relations. The approval arrived July 5, 1710, and the couple were officially wed the next day. The ceremony did not go off without incident, though. Court etiquette required that a princess of equal rank hold the bride's velvet train for the ceremony, and in a twist of fate, the only such princess available was, you guessed it, her former rival, the Princess of Bourbon. Now this whole situation could have been avoided, as Marie-Louise had sisters of equal rank, but her mother had conveniently sent them to a convent for their education, quite suddenly. Indeed, it seemed that she sought to humiliate her sister one last time, but the Duchess of Bourbon managed to avoid her daughter's further embarrassment by begging the king to find another princess. He relented and ordered Marie-Louise's father to send for his daughters at the convent. Marie-Louise was now the Duchess of Berry. She was a few weeks shy of 15 years old, and her new husband Charles was 23. They were given a household and income as a wedding gift from the king. The two seemed to get along with one another quite well in the first few months of their marriage, as the duke was noted as being a friendly and agreeable person who rarely got angry. His grandmother-in-law gave him the nickname Berry Boncour, which means Berry Goodheart, which is also adorable. But he was not the most well-read person, as he indulged in more entertaining activities such as plays and the hunt. Just three months into their marriage, he fell in love with a chambermaid. When the Duchess of Berry found this out, she didn't react in the way one would expect. In fact, she used her husband's love for his mistress as an opportunity to control him and get what she wanted. If he had mistreated her or acted ill towards her, then she would cry to the king and have the girl sent away. It was with this understanding that the Duchess of Bourbon's scandalous reputation began in its own right. listening to part one of episode two covering the life of the chubby duchess of berry please join us next time as we cover her adult years and her life of love loss and scandal i'm hallie maddock and this is royal intrigue